Welcome to episode 152 of Drew's Sports Crew here on this Sunday night. Myself, Drew Skyver, bringing you the news in the Wisconsin sports world. And look, across all sports, we've had a big past week. Uh, whether we go to basketball, right, with Doc Rivers becoming the new head, co- the head coach of the squad, and now the Eastern Conference All-Star Game coach. I know that that's not really going to be how it's going to go, but still, nonetheless, um, newsworthy just weird how that's all turned out and then if we go to baseball right we see corbin burns finally being traded someone who we thought was going to be traded during the winter meetings in december gets finally traded here before pitchers and catchers report here in february and then we go to football where we see jeff halfley boston college's head coach i believe for four seasons now is coming over to green bay more of not a coach you hire based on results, but rather on character and scheme is kind of how I would put the hire as um, Boston College had some, and we'll get into like um, they had some good defensive metrics and then not so much this past year, especially. So interesting how it's all developed here um, for all three sports respectively this past week. And Bucks are coming up here at seven o'clock as well with some questionable uh, players and with some players already ruled out. So it could be more of a back-to-back, you know how it is. So I won't really cover that as um, if you're listening on Monday, you'll, you already know the result of that one, but reminders before we start at your sports crew, all platforms, Instagram X, TikTok, right? Whether you're looking for rankings whether you're looking for Bucks Prediction Challenge and then Players of the Week, right? Check out at True Sports Crew again, Instagram, TikTok, True Sports Crew, Facebook. Have all the content there for you. Um, but otherwise, let's get started. Um, I'll talk about schedule at the end of the episode. We'll start over with the Milwaukee Bucks, who had, um, I mean, we're waiting on Sunday's result, but so far, not a great week in terms of. Okay, you lose at Denver by six. That, that's a loss you can live with. Uh, you surrender 113 points. But to Doc Rivers' point after the game, he, he complimented the defense. Hey, you guys can play defense. And that was a great defensive showing nonetheless. They had a bunch of points off turnovers slash fast break points that kind of inflated, I felt, the scoring output for Denver. They still put up those points. Bucks still deserved to lose nonetheless. But Bucks turned the ball over 13 times. They did shoot 40% from three, which did stand out. Um, this one was a rough game for Bobby Portis. Looking back, it was two for 13. Um, had 12 boards, though. Uh, had a minus 14 plus minus, which was the lowest on the team by far, as uh, Beasley had a plus six, and then like Lopez had plus five. So point was, Bucks didn't deserve to win this one. Just some rough performances on the bench was really the, the decision on Monday. Come on Wednesday, that was the game. That was Damian Lillard's game, right? And it was just a, it's a cool story how he was able to Right, take his son to school that day, and he was back into like a routine like any other normal day. But uh, unfortunately, it spoiled um, the the game was as um, the Bucks lose that one by three. Unfortunately, how Brook Lopez took that last shot. I get it. I get someone had to take it, but you really wanted Dame. But it, it felt like Dame was just was chucking. Uh, he was three for thirteen from three in this one. Nine of twenty three. Uh, again, twenty five, six boards, seven assists. Not like he played bad. I mean, he had a plus six, plus minus. Um, the starters overall played very well. It was the bench unit again. Bench unit was at a average plus minus of around minus 10 or so. Um, and th- I think Doc Rivers, I think the story to this week is 
trying to figure out rotations, trying to figure out what guys work, maybe what guys don't. I think I think that's something we're seeing. Uh, for example, campaign um, does not work in a rotation in a game like this. Uh, eight minutes played, over five from three. Uh, didn't really provide anything, quite frankly. Bobby in this one, the plus minus was was poor, but you know puts up eleven points, five for seven shooting. Crowder didn't have it going, two for six, one for five from three. And then Connaughton put up the almost Tony Snell game, zero points, zero zero from the field. Um, he did have one rebound, one steal, and one turnover though, and two fouls. So, so not really almost a Snell game, but you felt that watching the game that it was almost a Tony Snell game. So that was what we're looking at. Um, otherwise, it's been it's been the guards um, that have hurt the Bucks still defensively, from what we've seen. Like Scoot Henderson had 15, uh, Anthony Simons had 24, Brogdon had 14. So it's just kind of things like that we're still seeing from this Bucks squad. But that was just a game. It just sucks to lose. Honestly, then you go play at Dallas uh, and that this game for the Bucks was an important one as they were down 24 end of one 44 20 was a score. And I was like, really? We got to watch one of these again. Um, but it did help that Kyrie Irving was out um, the Bucks. I, I'm saying for them to have it to stay in this game because if Kyrie was playing, obviously we hope Kyrie Irving is back out on the court soon. But for the Bucks sake, as they've struggled against guards, um, it was a lot easier to defend Josh Green than um, than others, or than Kyrie Irving, right? And um, in this case, Green still a solid game at twenty points, but his plus five. This, this was wild one to me in terms of how players performed. He played thirty eight minutes when he was out on the court. The Dallas Mavericks had a minus twenty nine plus minus in a game where they led for a good chunk of it. They only they lost by twelve. I mean, I say only by twelve, but like Luca had like a t- minus twelve plus minus. They lost by twelve. Luca also, as J- very Jason Kidd esque, plays forty two minutes in this one, in a forty eight minute game. So that stood out to me too. It was like wow, talk about get, letting him go. Luca also had nine turnovers last night. That was a, another thing. Like watching the game, he had a couple of missed passes here or there, and it was like, how many does he really have? And you check it, it was like he had nine turnovers. He almost got the quadruple double, I call it. Um, and the fourth component is turnovers. We saw it. It was 40 points, nine boards, 11 assists, nine turnovers, four fouls. Stats sheet stuffer was what Luka Doncic was on Saturday night in Dallas. Other guys, I don't know. This this Dallas team, like, watch the Bucks play. They're 2-0 against them this year. Um like without Kyrie, it, it just they got no like the Bucks have depth problems, we know, but man, this team has severe depth problems. They have because on the bench, it's okay. Um, Dwight Powell, are you gonna play him? Are you gonna play um, are you gonna play Markeith Morris? You know, uh, I, I think they they just are struggling with really who do they play in this game? Seth Curry against the Bucks, are you gonna put him in there? Um, it's it's a bunch of aging vets who who don't really have a role. I feel on this team, that's where they're going to, have to make some decisions. Jane Hardy, um, a younger player, definitely is someone who has promise off the bench. But not that this is a Mavericks podcast. But all I'm saying is the Bucks are fortunate; they don't have the same death problems a team like Dallas has. It's very thin, I would say. And the Bucks could probably pull a trader. We're hoping they can pull a trade. Um, Bo Champ not playing last night was a little surprising. I still am not really a fan of Payne getting these level of minutes. Um, 
I think that, I think that's a valid concern. Also, Andre Jackson Jr. not really been involved since the Rivers hiring. I think he was with the G League even. So that's kind of something we need to monitor is um, what's Jackson's role going to be? I talked about this last week uh, with Prunty. There was no role. Um, also, Robin Lopez starting for four minutes. That was just weird to me. I don't I don't understand. But yeah, having no Brook last night was also an interesting dynamic. So it worked out for the Bucs um, in terms of defense was a concern. I mean, they still allowed 117 points, but they were. It, it, it felt like that first quarter was kind of just like the outlier as they allowed 21, 27, 25 in the other three, last three quarters in that game. They have a Bucks jazz tonight. We know injury report's going to be a story. Um, how the Bucks going to prevail? Look, Bucks got to be ready for this upcoming week. This this week has some games where you need them. When I, I talked about in the pod last week was you want the Bucks to go maybe two and two in this stretch. You, I mean, you'd prefer three and one, four and zero, oh, but like you can live with the two and two. And I think that that's probably what the Bucks are going to do. I still think they can pull it out in Utah tonight. I know it's been a tough place for them in their history. I believe the stats only two wins since two thousand three. So it's it's been a long a long road in Utah, but it's doable tonight. Phoenix on Tuesday, 9 p.m. That's on TNT. So that's must watch basketball. Seems like everybody's gonna be good to go for the Bucks. Um Book Brook again's out for personal reasons. I'm sure we'll have more insight on that, but i I hope he's gonna be good to go on Tuesday. The Bucks have a home game Thursday night against Minnesota. 7 p.m. That's going to be a good one at Pfizer Forum. And then they have a back-to-back. They play Charlotte at 7 p.m. on Friday. And then no games next week, Saturday and Sunday. Marquette plays Saturday, so I'm going to guess that. That's just scheduling works out. And then, um, yeah, the next game is next Monday, then February 12th, after those against Denver at home. Again, it's a tough schedule. We talked about um, four of the five opponents. Phoenix, Minnesota, Charlotte, Denver, Miami. Obviously, Charlotte's the outlier there. Uh, tough games coming up. And then they have Minnesota, like they have another road trip coming up where they have at Memphis, at Minnesota on a back to back, which is disgusting. Both on primetime games too, but it's very tough for the Bucks to manage that. Just a lot of primetime games coming up. I mean, they've had they've had a decent amount over the last few weeks, but really picks up down the stretch here with a lot of ESPN, even an ABC there with Philly on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, once they don't have to worry about competing with basketball is really what happens. But we got some good good games coming up. The season's really been flying by, though. Like, if you think about it, now we're already 49 games through after tonight. It's going to be 50 games through the season. Honestly, weird to think about just where the season has flown by and really gets wrapped in the first few months with, with football, quite frankly, right, since it starts in late October. We're just all in the football mindset. And then now basketball picks up. Here we go. Let's go over this Corbin Burns trade here. Um, and look, this trade, this was an interesting one about, I, I was paying attention just because I like to see how it is. Obviously, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things is how people, aka the media, uh, portray it, portray the trade as it happens. Usually, um, we'll see like, we'll see the trades get bashed right when they happen by one side or the other. And that often doesn't really mean much. Um, the one, the one time I feel like for me, like I just absolutely nailed um, calling a bots trade was when the Pittsburgh Pirates traded for um, Chris Archer. So for sports, for baseball fans, more, more specifically Chris Archer, um, that, that was just a terrible trade since Archer, like, like it, you could tell Archer was, was past his peak to an extent in terms of 
Um, you, they, he's already had a lot of wear and tear on his shoulder, had shoulder concerns with the slide or whatever. Not ideal, but this trade for, for some reason, fans are, are calling the shot like how I did and said, this is, but this is different. Archer, Archer had team control. So pirates were hoping for that, but the Orioles are getting cornbirds for one year um, in this trade from the Milwaukee Brewers. And um, the two guys, so two guys Brewers are getting are DL Hall. Joey Ortiz. So DL Hall is a left-handed pitcher who who got work in the postseason last year um, and played very well. He was actually probably I think he was a top reliever arguably in the postseason for the whopping three four games they played it was four I believe. And they got Joey, Joey Ortiz who actually hasn't really logged um, any LB. I don't think he's had any LB service time, but he's had some good numbers in the minors. I'll talk more about those here shortly, um, and, and definitely is. He the goal for him is third base of the future. I think DL Hall, they're gonna try to work him as a starter. I think he's gonna end up having some kind of reliever role. I I dislike how people are already saying he's Josh Hader. He's Josh Hader. And yes, he has great stuff. Um, and Josh Hader was also an Oriole at a time. I get how it's a cute comparison, but um doesn't exactly mean that. And I do see Jory Ortiz had it was seven for thirty-three in the majors so far in his career, but we're not really gonna acknowledge that as as what what we're looking at, but again, his minor league stats were solid. Um, he was he was like if you'd crack the nineties in the top hundred prospects, usually was where he was at. But uh, for Ortiz, though, um, yeah, the idea is he's gonna be the third baseman of the future, is is what people hope, which I think they I think it's a valid thing. Um, I believe the, the defense is there. Um, Really, what's going to depend on is kind of with Tyler Black. The plan for Black is going to be more of having him. I I envision at second slash short. We'll see kind of where, where they put him, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm wondering kind of how this is going to shake out. I think we'll know more for spring training. Um, but going back to Ortiz's numbers, Ortiz also has second base um, experience too. But in in AAA last year, he was great i mean ops of 885 um nine home runs 11 steals and we don't have like the stat cast numbers per se so i can't really look at exit below stuff that's gonna tell us more of what kind of player archetype he is but again looking at the stats his career minor league hitter of over 800 ops he has the chance to become a solid guy who you can depend on for the years he has control with the club so you're looking at right five six years with with the team um, you take that and then you take DL Hall for five, six years. Um, granted, none of these guys were like the top five prospects. So I think the idea people were getting, which why this was a bad trade, which is incredibly wrong and, and, and interesting how it's felt is these guys weren't considered top five prospects within the Orioles organization. So the idea was it was a fleece because it was not a top five prospect. But what's not known is the Orioles, or what I believe is known is, but maybe wasn't considered is, the Orioles have the number one farm system of all baseball. So their number five, number six prospect and beyond have more value than on other teams. So it's like, okay, you get, you get lower, uh, not even lower tier prospects, but you get guys who are ranked lower than other teams, farm systems, but um, they really have the best farm system. So I think the, I think these guys are in some, especially in the Astros. Oh my, the Astros farm system atrocious. They would be, they'd be top three. Um, so just the idea behind kind of what we're looking at. They also got the 34th overall draft pick. Draft pick 
means something, right? I mean, it's a 34th overall pick in the draft, but they would have gotten a draft pick if they would have let him, like, just let him walk. It's like a compensation pick. So the idea that that draft pick has a lot of value, it it does in terms of you get to draft him a year earlier. You know, you're not, it would be a pick in the 2025 draft, but instead they get the 2024 draft. It's a little strategic negotiation thing by Matt Arnold and his team uh, to get another piece there just to up the, up the draft pick a year, which helps this team stay competitive. Um, I, I like, so my take was I like the trade in terms of they're swinging for upside. This is what you need to do. Take six years of control for Ortiz and Hall and this pick over one, one year burns. You do that trade. You do it. Uh, burns going to have, could have an all time year. He got, and looking back at it, uh, maybe you regret the trade based on how those guys pan out. But at the time it was the right move to do. I think the other idea too was Orioles just had new ownership come in um, with surprising on like a Tuesday. So the idea was um, we've, we've seen this in a lot of sports where new owners try to get win happy. I mean, most more specifically with Steve Cohen and the Mets, new owners want to win. They want to win. That's, that's the goal. Washington commanders. We're going to see that this off season. They want to win. And I think what we're going to see is just that here um, with Baltimore. I think we're going to see a push for that. Dylan Cease is someone who they could still get to because they didn't give up a lot of prospects. And Cease has a couple years of control, so his value is going to be higher than Corbin's. I wonder if they think they're going to be able to um, uh, re-sign Burns. I, th- I think it's unlikely that Orioles will, but who am I to know? If they th- if they throw him the $30 million plus, eight, he wants a Garrett Cole type deal, I think, and I don't think he'll get exactly that, but I think he'll be close. So it's it's a good move for the Orioles too. Like though, I'm not not bashing the Orioles. I think I think it was the right move for them at the time. Uh, they can, I mean, they can afford to give up Joey Ortiz as who do they have? Jackson Holiday, also um, right, Gunnar Henderson. They have some guys who who can fill those spots. Um, so you just you just hope those guys pan out, and you think for the Brewers that spring trains gonna really tell a lot for this team. Willie Adamas, I think, you know, and this is this is me maybe looking not exactly at the fan perspective, but how I believe it's going to go. Brewers got to trade Adamas here in the upcoming weeks. Or, no, I say upcoming weeks, upcoming, like in the next week. This is the best time to trade Adamas, I think. You could wait till the deadline, too, um, but you're betting on how he performs this year. He's a streaky type of hitter where his value is going to differ significantly. I wonder if they've gotten pretty subpar offers too for him. Like I'm wondering if they're getting like prospects out of the top 10 of their respective teams uh, based on kind of the delay. Um, but he still has the potential to be a, a you know, a three, four win player, which at shortstop two has enough value where he's going to, he's going to be pegged to some decent capital, I would think. So I, I think, I think we could see that trade happen. The Brewers, but you also are betting on you need, I don't know, like it, it's tough to give up that kind of player than two and stay, say you're going to be competitive. Maybe, maybe they don't, they don't give up Adamas. If he has a big year, very big first half of the year, Brewers team, not so much. You trade him. Freddie Peralta's most likely, your, or not most, he is your opening day starter. Um, I just hope he stays healthy. And that's what, that's like always been the X factor with him, but. As you can tell, Brewers season's coming up. As I'm talking, getting excited, pitchers and catchers report soon. So that's what we're looking at. And let's go over to what's going on with the Green Bay Packers making their coaching decision at defensive coordinator. They get Boston College's head coach, Jeff Halfley. 
So they get them right four years. We talked a little bit, little bit about this on Journey to Million, which again we'll be recording this Wednesday, 5 p.m. Um, Central time. And we talked about this as the news broke live, and the 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 talk was we were a little disappointed with Halfley's um, results over the past um, season or so, as Halfley has not had at least last year wasn't really a great year with Boston College in terms of um, in terms of results. They had a couple of games where they gave him fifty plus points. I know it's a huge personnel thing. He was known for his recruiting in college. That was something that that stood out too. His recruiting classes ranked nationally very well for being Boston college. So it's going to be nice to have him there too, but he also does have some defensive coordinator experience. Um, well with Boston college calling defensive plays, of course, but he was a co-defensive coordinator with Ohio state in 2019. But then he also has the NFL experience. You knew that they weren't going to just get a straight college guy. Um, and I, I'm glad they didn't do that because that's always, that can be concerning. Like, getting a guy who hasn't dealt with NFL players because that's what you look for. Like, it's always interesting with college coaches is how are they, you know, like, like you're not coaching when you make that transition to the NFL, you're no longer coaching you know, kids. You're coaching grown men. And I'm not saying you are in college either. It's just, it's always that dynamic could be a little interesting. You know, these are guys doing this as their profession, but again, he has the NFL experience um, with Tampa Bay, 2012 2013 defensive backs coach with cleveland and then san francisco also he was there um, with lafleur i believe so he was with matt lafleur at some time so like they also know him personally there um which which definitely is a plus i think i think what stood out too was character i mean there's there's time if you go to just social media type in jeff halfley uh pre-game speech to players uh he stands out from a character perspective too so i think that's something that that definitely stood out. He definitely probably interviewed well. Um, I say that as like the reports where Ben Johnson did interview well with Washington. He was the De Detroit's offensive coordinator. He's coming back, but like that definitely m makes a difference too in the NFL as it does anywhere. So it'll be interesting to see I, what stood out too for Halfley was his defense is consistently ranked. I believe it was in terms of passing yards per allowed per game. They were ranked nationally very high. Um, I don't have the exact stat up right now, but I I know that Halfley's past defenses have been well regarded, I believe. So um that could be part play a part in too. And definitely a schematic fit too was something that um many linked to him as being a reason they hired him as well. So I'm I'm excited um with with the hire. Um I again, and I'll speak for others. Nobody expected this hire. I mean, there's no way you expected. I thought they were going to get some NFL, like they're going to get an NFL DC. I thought they were like like a Mike Zimmer, you know, a guy like that. Um, get a guy who has had head coaching experience to take a role like this. Kind of what the what Dallas has been doing. Like, okay, Dan Quinn, come here, coach, or be the DC. Like, get a guy with experience at the head coaching spot and have have an older guy that. Um, but they don't go that way. They go with. Um, Jeff Halfley, and that's that's the hire. We'll have more details too, of course, when the Super Bowl list wraps up. We'll have more ideas of like free agency stuff when that picks up in March. Uh, otherwise, we're we're kind of just waiting here um, to see what's next. I think I speak for like right the Brewers. We still have some moves waiting for what's next, and we got Bucks basketball right now. We got some college bas college hoops. March Madness almost here too. Be on the lookout for the bracket pool. I'll talk more about that when we get to March. 
Uh, but otherwise, that's all I got this week. Uh, Wednesday, again, 5 p.m. Central Time, Journey to Million. Myself, Drew Skyrick, joined alongside Jared Valeski and Zach Roush. But again, that's all I got here at True Sports Crew. That's going to wrap it up here for myself, Drew Skyberg, here on this Sunday night. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Drew Sports Crew, the perfect podcast for you.